Oh my goodness, what's up everyone and welcome back to another episode of Babylon. This week is going to be another Echo, Echo, Chamber, 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 where I'm going to tell you guys about what you should be watching, what you should be reading, what you should be playing, and why you should be doing all of those things. So without further ado, my friends, let us get into it. Well, welcome, everybody. Once again, I am so glad that you are here for this uh, week's episode of Babble On. So this is actually the Babble On recommendations from the 15th of August, Saturday the 15th. Uh, so you've had about eight days. Uh, remember, I'm giving you guys until like the Sunday to send in your voice messages on Anchor to let us know exactly what you think about these games. So you have from the 15th to the 23rd. Today is the 24th that I'm recording this. Tomorrow, the 25th, is the day that this is dropping. Uh, so you've missed that bucket uh, if you wanted to be on this week's episode talking about these three things. But here's the deal, you guys. Here's something that I just want to I want to mention. I don't want to let anybody feel like they've been left out. And here's another thing. If you come to us, you know, after the fact, if you're a, if you become a part of this group in December and you go back to August and you look at our recommendations because you're looking for something to watch, read or play and you see, hey, there's Pokemon Twilight Wings. I really want to talk about that. Hey, there's Assassination Classroom. I really want to talk about that. Hey, there's Story of Seasons. I really want to talk about that. I don't want to take that away from you guys. So even if it's a little bit late, even if you missed the boat by just a couple of days, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, send those voice messages in anyway, uh, because I promise <laughs> that if they're good and if they're, if they're quick, uh, that I will still put them in at some point in the episode. Maybe we'll have uh, a time where we do a little time travel and we go back and we talk about, uh, weeks past or something along those lines. I don't, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I just want you to know that there's options on the table. So don't feel like just because you do miss the mark that you can't be a part of the episode, uh, because I, I want to hear your opinions. I want to hear what you guys think about these things. If you have any thoughts on the last episode that I did, if you're like, hey, Nathan, that episode was the best episode I've ever listened to in my entire life, then great. I want to know those things. Still send in those voice messages and you still might get featured on the episode. But with that, folks, I don't want to spend any more time talking about this kind of stuff because we got a lot to talk about. So again, we are talking about August 15th of 2020. Uh, my recommendations on that Saturday, what should you be watching? I said you should be watching Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. What should you be reading? I said maybe you ought to read DC's Doomsday Clock uh, from 2017-2019 edition run uh, by Jeff Johns. And I also recommended that you play Fall Guys the ultimate knockout game that has swept the nation and uh, made people go mad and crazy and made me pull out my hair. So those were the three things that I recommend that you watch, read, and play. And now I want to talk about why. Why should you Why should you care about what I recommend? Why are these good recommendations and what can they actually do for you? Let's talk about it. The first one, why? We're going to go in reverse order again because, well, kind of. We're going we're gonna to jumble it up. I'm never probably going to go watch, read, play. Who knows? Maybe I will. Statistically... The odds are very likely that I will someday go watch, read, play. But as far as right now, I'm going to go in a weird order. We're going to start off with play. Why in the world should you play Fall Guys? First off, it is hysterical. What is Fall Guys? Maybe some of you haven't played this game or aren't sure or haven't bought into the hype. Uh, it's a pretty affordable game, so I would highly recommend that you go and invest on Steam. Uh, it's so affordable on the PlayStation. Uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, right? Isn't it PS Plus? I'm new to the PlayStation world, but I'm pretty sure if you have PlayStation Plus, then you get this game for free in August. I think September it's going to go away, but as far as August goes, you get the game 
free zero dollars zero zero right i mean that's a good deal pretty good so that's a reason right there why you should play this game if it's free on PlayStation. Uh, but what is this game? What exactly is happening? So you play as this little delightful jelly bean. And the whole purpose of the game is from you to get to from point A to point B. Uh, you're supposed to get across the obstacle course from beginning to end being a little bean. Uh, they go through a lot of different uh, obstacle courses, like all these weird areas, weird games, team games, things like that to get you from point A to point B. But the point of the game is you have 60 people put randomly in an obstacle course. Uh, and your goal is to get to be number one, to get that crown, to be the last remaining of all of the 60. It's tricky. It's challenging. I'm not going to be so bold as to say that I'm good at it because I've not won a crown yet. I still am I'm still not one that I'm still, I've made it. Now here's the thing. Okay. I've made it to the final round maybe like 10 times. So that's pretty good. Uh, here's the thing. All right. Here's another good thing about this game. It is very, very seldom that I can get my wife to hop in on video games with me. She will watch me play or she'll sit in the background or, or she'll just leave the room if she really doesn't want to play a game because she's not the biggest video game fan, but fall guys, she asks to play. She says, hey, Nathan, can we play Fall Guys? Whoa, guys, that's revolutionary. It's awesome. It makes me feel so good about this game, and it makes me feel so good to play a game with my wife. So Fall Guys is the game that fellas or ladies, if your spouse isn't a gamer, this might be the game that would get them in on it. Uh, it also has a good thing going for it in the sense that if you watch television and if you remember that show Wipeout from a couple of years ago uh, where, you know, they would go on all these wacky like big balls and there'd be people commentating in the background. It's basically that only you actually get to play. And that in and of itself makes it hilarious because people love that show. It's very popular. So if you are one of the people that love that show, there's a game that's just like that show that you need to get after. So what, what, why should you play this game? Why is it actually important? Okay, maybe it's not the most important game that's ever been made. I will give you that. I wasn't able to necessarily find any scriptural reason or any kind of faith backing or any kind of betterment uh, of yourself. In fact, this game might drive you a little bit crazy and make you say some words you regret. <laughs> but why should you play it? It's just because it's just so stinking fun. It brings me back to those times of youth group uh, or just hanging out with the boys or just chilling or just having good times with people. It reminds me of those N64 Smash Bros days, those Mario Kart days. It just feels like a good game to play with people. And anything that gets us together as people, that's that's a winner in my book. That's that's what a game should do ideally, you know, at its core value is that it brings people together. And I think Fall Guys does that. While it may make you also say, like I said, some words you might regret, while it may make you be driven a little bit crazy, uh, it also, at its core, brings people together to laugh and enjoy time with one another, and I would call that a win, and that's why I think you should play Fall Guys. So second, what should you be watching? Remember I said I'm skipping out of order a little bit. What should you be watching? I recommended Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I'm only going to say so much about this. Odds are... If you are listening to this podcast, it means that you have some nerdy bone in your body. And because you have some nerdy bone in your body, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, you've already seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nevertheless, I don't want to delve too deeply into spoiler territory because this Sunday, August 30th, uh, we are going to be hosting a Netflix party as we watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse together. So I'm 
tempted to not say too much about this one. And honestly, I wish I had not recommended it on the Saturday because I want you to join us and watch this movie with us. Uh, if you if you're past the August 30th date, then maybe it's still on Netflix. I highly encourage you to go and find it and watch this movie because it's so very good. But if you haven't watched this movie and it is still not August 30th, I would hope that you'll join us on August 30th and watch this movie with us on Netflix. A Netflix party, for those of you that aren't familiar with what that medium is, uh, it's just a third-party app that allows you, if you have a Netflix membership, which you will have to have a Netflix login to join us, if you have that, I can post a link on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Discord, everything. I'll post a link. You click on that link, and whenever you click on that link, it will take you to this hub where all of our movies get synced to my movie because I'm hosting. And whenever I click play, everybody else's Netflix's click play, and we all start the movie at the same point. It syncs them up together. What's really cool about that also is that they give us a chat bar to the side. So as we're all watching the movie together, as we're enjoying our popcorn and soda, as we're enjoying our candy, we can talk about the movie. We can talk about things. We can share with one another. We can tell stories. We can say, oh, I remember this moment or, oh, this is crazy or what? That just happened. Or who is this character? Or, Does anybody know the history behind this? We can ask each other questions and talk and enjoy one another's company. That's a win. That's, that's why you should join us this Sunday uh, during our Netflix party to talk about this movie and to join in watching it together. So I will still give you what is Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse? What exactly is, is happening there? So the Spider-Verse, right? We're talking about something that we'll actually talk about a lot in this podcast episode. Uh, but there's this multiverse idea that Marvel and DC and comic book writers and fantasy writers love to play around with. Uh, where there are multiple dimensions, uh, uh, where there are superheroes in all of these crazy places. Spider-Man is certainly not foreign to that idea, and especially in this movie. So we have, at the beginning of this film, we have Miles Morales, who is not yet Spider-Man, but we know he's going to be if you've read the comics, and he is the protagonist of the movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, so it's a fair assumption that... Uh, He's going to be Spider-Man. And at the beginning of the movie, something happens that causes a tear in, in multidimensional space and allows for multiple Spider-Men and women to enter in to Miles Morales' reality. Why does that happen? Well, I guess you'll have to watch and find out. What does he do to fix it? Is it even a problem? Or can it just be this universe of multiple Spider-Men? I... You'll have to watch. Who could say? Who could say other than someone that has watched the film? But it's really just a great movie. So as I mentioned, right, Miles Morales at the beginning of the movie is not Spider-Man, but is our protagonist. So it's a safe assumption that he will become Spider-Man. And so this movie is what we can safely call a coming-of-age film. And who doesn't love a good coming-of-age film where somebody starts out at the beginning, a rookie, an underdog, not knowing who they are, and by the end of the movie, they learn who they are, they grow deeper into themselves. That, arguably, might be my favorite kind of movie. And maybe it's yours, too. Either way, I hope that you'll come and join us on Sunday and watch this movie together, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about Miles and let's talk about all these things. I just want to, I love these characters. It's a great introduction. If you're not too familiar with the Spider-Man universe, you get to meet a lot of spider people and you get to meet a lot of really well-known villains and characters. And it's just fun. It's just fun. 
It's just fun. Please come and join us on Sunday as we talk about this and as we dive a little bit deeper into this movie and as we talk about why I might have recommended it. For what reason would I possibly have recommended this movie? I want to talk about it. So if you want to learn more about it, let's join in on Sunday and talk about it then. Sorry that I can't go any deeper <laughs> into what I would actually, you know, need to talk about there with Spider-Man. But I, I, like I said, I kind of regret putting this on the list for this week because we're going to be watching it so soon. And I don't want to spoil anything or mess anything up. But I do want to know your thoughts on it. Maybe uh, this would be a great time for those retroactive uh, flashback voicemails. So if you want to leave a voicemail um, talking about how Spider-Man was or how you enjoyed it, uh, please, please do that. I would love to hear your opinion and hear what you think, and we can play them here on the pod. So finally, that brings us to our third and final category, which by the power of deduction, you should have realized it's not what we play. It's not what we watch. It's what we read. So what did I recommend that you should read and why? Well, I do want to say I apologize to any of our under 18 um, fans and followers here, but I did recommend something that was a little bit adult and that parental guidance was certainly suggested for. There's a lot of gore, uh, heavy themes, just really dark stuff in this comic book, but I couldn't help but recommend it because I think that it is so powerful and the things that it represents are really incredible and needed to be talked about. So first... What is Doomsday Glock? What is this thing even about? What is it that is happening in this story? And why should I care about it? So in order to totally understand this story and understand exactly what is happening, you have to understand a couple of things here. You have to understand that this is the merging of two major studios, the merging of two major storylines. They're both DC but they both have a very different universe. So the first one, obviously, if you know anything about comic books, hopefully you know who DC Comics are. Hopefully you understand the importance of that universe. Batman, Superman, the Justice League, it's all of these incredible characters and wonderful character stories. And, you know, you you, you understand a little bit about that. You know all of these heroes. You know they're the classics. You know they have a lot of history. Uh, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, you know, more about them, less about them. But all you really need to know is that they have gone through several iterations. Uh, the DC heroes have had iteration after iteration. They've had history after history. There have been characters and other characters. The easiest way to describe this is if you're familiar with the Flash. You know that there was a Silver Age Flash named Jay Garrick, or maybe it was silver, maybe it was bronze. I don't know which age it was. Ugh. I don't know which age it was, but I do know Jay Garrick was kind of this classic, iconic Flash. He looked different. He had a weird helmet, and he had this different era about him. And then as the comic book evolved, we learn a little bit more. We get a little bit sleeker. We look a little bit cooler, and we get Barry Allen. And eventually, Barry Allen rips into time and meets Jay Garrick, which means they both exist but in a different place, in a different time. So it goes back to that same thing we were just talking about with Spider-Man, where these two people exist, and they exist in the same universe, but in a different time, in a different universe, in a multiverse era. So there's there's strange strings of time. If you watch the latest Avengers movie, right, there's this whole idea of strings and breaks and time travel and all these wackadoo things that really blow our minds. But what you need to know is that everything within the DC universe, in a sense, 
is kind of canon with itself, that there are so many different versions of Earth that the Justice League that we know from our cartoons that we watched when we were kids, that Justice League exists, but so do other forms of the Justice League. So does the Justice Society of America. So does the Silver Age Batman and Superman. So does Jay Garrick. They all exist separate, different, together under the same understanding, same canonization, if you will. This is strange. It's hard to wrap our minds around. I get it. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. We're going to get more into it. So what else do you need to know? Who else is involved with this? Remember, I mentioned there were two uh, forces colliding. The first is this iconic DC heroes. And then there is actually something that was written under the DC name, but was not in the same uh, paradigm in the slightest, known as the Watchmen. Maybe you've watched the movie. Maybe you watched the latest series on HBO. Maybe you read the original graphic novel. But you know, Alan Moore is a pretty uh, infamous name. Uh, He is pretty iconic in the writer's world. And he wrote this Watchmen series that gets very gritty, very dark, makes some really cynical arguments on the reality of superheroes and what they would actually be like. And, And that's where we kind of have this era of superheroes who have gone bad, kind of like uh, Breaking Bad, right? I mean, they've they've literally gone bad. We get to see the darker and grittier side of what superheroes would be like. The most iconic of these heroes, honestly, honestly, all of the Watchmen are pretty iconic, I would argue, but maybe it's just because I kind of care about them. Uh, but you have Dr. Manhattan, who's this weird blue guy with this little dot on his head. And Dr. Manhattan gets torn apart inside of this particle accelerator just gets ripped to pieces and everybody thinks, Oh no, he's dead. He's gone. He's, he's dissolved into nothing, but actually he gets his atoms restructured and gets turned into a literal omnipotent being. He becomes like God. He becomes something greater than all the rest. He exists in time, right? He is in all time rather than just like we are in a moment. Manhattan always is, always was, always is understanding and can move without being strapped down to time. Truly a godlike character that we could talk about as Christians a whole lot more. I think Dr. Manhattan is a fascinating character that we need to talk about more. Uh, And he plays a pretty pivotal role in this story that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Another major character that you need to know about is Ozymandias. Uh, He is the main bad guy, quote unquote. He used to kind of be a hero and he's the smartest man alive. That's his big claim is he's the smartest man alive. That's his superpower. And he sits atop this literal ivory tower and he wants to figure out how to save the world. This is in Watchmen. How do I save the world? And so he realizes that if he wants to save the world, he has to give them an enemy. He has to give them something to fight against. And so Ozymandias starts to develop this plan in which everyone will have a common enemy. So what does he create? Well, the only logical thing to create, an alien. So he makes this giant squid octopus thingy uh, and apparates it above New York City or whatever the actual area in Watchmen might have been that he did it in. Uh, And it ends up being this huge monster, this huge thing that Dr. Manhattan has to save the day or not save the day and figure out, will this actually save the world? Will it not save the world? And I'll let you read Watchmen for yourself to understand exactly how that one ends up. Just know that the plan doesn't work, that Ozymandias is a criminal uh, and gets pretty much hunted down by the law and Dr. Manhattan ends up leaving. 
he ends up piecing out of his timeline, kind of goes to Mars uh, and just wants to be alone. So that's where that's where Watchmen kind of takes us. There's also this really notable character that's one of my favorites in Watchmen named Rorschach. We get to meet a little bit of Rorschach uh, in Doomsday Clock, but not the original Rorschach, who was originally Walter Kovacs. But he doesn't fare so well in Watchmen. Things happen and things go back and forth for him uh, pretty often. And without giving too much away, we meet a different Rorschach in Doomsday Clock. The same mask, the same iconic look with the Rorschach on the on the weird canvas head, uh, but it's a different guy. It's actually Reggie, uh, who is uh, a completely different character than Walter Kovacs, who plays Rorschach. So think on the lines of somebody else wearing the same mask. So that is as quick as I can be telling you about these two universes. Uh, Alan Moore, like I said, wrote the original Watchmen. Doesn't normally like people messing with his stuff very much. He's very possessive over his creations. Uh, Watchmen really hasn't gotten too much uh, adaptation or changes until Doomsday Clock and then the, the latter HBO series that just came out not too long ago. Jeff Johns is the writer of Doomsday Clock and is a pretty... Uh, big deal <laughs> in DC Comics. Creator of Green Lantern. I'm pretty sure the creator of Harley Quinn. I could be wrong about that one. Uh, but no, actually, I think I'm wrong about that one. I think that's the guy from... Uh, it's not... Maybe it's Paul Dini, but it's from Batman the Animated Series. Nevertheless, uh, he's a big guy. He created a lot of things. He writes a lot of things. He's very well known in the comic book world. Jeff Johns. Uh, and he's obviously, in this series, a huge fan of Watchmen. He gets the canon. He understands the story. And so all of a sudden, DC in 2017 starts this new series in which two of the favorite universes of comic book fans and nerds alike merge and meet in this incredible, incredible storyline. But things don't exactly go how we would hope. They aren't friends. We know that Watchmen is dark and gritty. DC uh, doesn't always get dark and gritty. Sometimes they tell lighter storylines, but... If you've been a DC fan for long, you know that they can also go to some really, really dark places. With Bats and Soups especially, they allow themselves sometimes some leniency into some dark, dark narratives. This is certainly no exception. So what is this? It is the merging of two universes. Why does that happen? You'd have to read to find out. It's so interesting what brings these characters together, what manages to help them cross across the multiverse and join into one. What is it that allows for them to overplay with each other? And what allows, uh, what happens when they meet? You know, how does Batman think about Rorschach? How does Superman think about Dr. Manhattan? How do these char characters relate to one another? It's fascinating. Uh, watching these incredibly fleshed out, deep backgrounds uh, and and a literal like, you know, we always talk about is Superman, you know, so strong as he a godlike figure compared to Dr. Manhattan. Superman may be equally as strong, but the God powers, the ability to be omnipotent, the ability to be everywhere in time and to see past and future. That's a power we do not talk about with Superman. So while their power may be debatably equal or debatably, you know, people talk about which one's better. That's really not the battle here. It's not Superman versus Goku. It's, it's Dr. Manhattan. It's somebody that is so bizarre, uh, and, and philosophical and morally questionable that our old boy scout soups really brings about some very interesting questions. So there's a lot that goes on in this series and there's a whole lot 
that I could talk about and we could focus on in this story. But I really want to let you read it. I would love to let you experience it. And so if you've read this, if you've experienced it, great. You'll understand even better what I'm talking about. If you've not quite done that yet, I want to encourage you to do that after we get done discussing this. Because this is, why should you read this as a Christian? Why should you read this as a nerd? Why should you read this as someone that is striving to grow, striving to be better? Why should you read this if you're interested in morality and philosophy and religion? Why should you care about these things? I will say there's a lot, there's a lot that we could talk about and break down. But what I want to talk about is one theme that kind of is an overarching theme of part two of the latter six issues. So remember, I've mentioned a lot during this episode, the idea of the multiverse, the multiverse where there are multiple universes, where there is more than one chain of time in a sense, where different characters in different eras do different things that leads to different results. So for instance, I'll give you another example, just for those of you that have maybe never read uh, any of the flash, you know, flashpoint stories or anything like that. Imagine if you will, Batman, we know Batman's story, don't we? Everybody, we've seen it a million times in movies and I'm sure we're going to see it again in the Batman uh, with Robert Pattinson, which the trailer just dropped. And I have mixed feelings about it. I think it's real good, but it's also got some parts that are raising some concern. Question for another time. Topic for another time. We'll talk about it later. I promise. Anyway, <laughs> without getting off on that tangent, Batman. We know Batman, right? Thomas and Martha Wayne and their son, Bruce, are out in an alleyway one night after seeing a show. And don't you know it? Things just go real wrong. And they start to get robbed by this random character. And uh, through a chain of events, Thomas and Martha end up getting the gun. And both of them die that night in the alleyway. Bruce Wayne, young philanthropist, rich boy, uh, ends up being left alone in life with both his parents murdered in the streets by a criminal. And he goes to live full time with his, uh, you know, caretaker, Alfred, who we all love as the good butler. Bruce grows up begins to develop some some vengeance and wants to have some revenge on this city. He lives in Gotham and it's filled with criminals and, you know, all these terrible people. And so he begins to develop this side character, this superhero mentality where he wants to become the knight and level out some of the evil in the city of Gotham. And he becomes Batman and he becomes the savior of the city and wants to go out in the night dressed up like a bat and take down villains and save the city one villain at a time, right? We have this storyline. Well, what if the opposite happened? What if on that night with, with Thomas and Martha and Bruce, what if Bruce ended up getting killed. And and what if that led Thomas, good old kind-hearted Thomas, to perhaps having a twist of fate, a twist of the heart, a change to himself, and he ends up becoming Batman? Well, he's raised in a different way. He's not raised by Alfred. He's already been raised. He's already lived his life. And so he has a different set of moral values. So maybe whereas Batman won't use guns, well, maybe, maybe Thomas has no problem with guns. Maybe where Batman won't kill people, well, Thomas, maybe Thomas doesn't have any problem with killing people. And maybe Martha, maybe Martha goes literally insane from losing her son. And maybe she becomes the new version of the Joker, the new villain. And then Thomas, why can't he kill the Joker? Well, he can't kill a Joker because it's his wife. And what if there's all of these strange dynamics that all of a sudden happen here? And while Batman doesn't exist in this version of this multiverse, while he doesn't exist necessarily as Bruce, Batman as Thomas Wayne does exist. 
So this is what we mean by multiverse. Both areas have the same stopping point, Thomas and Martha, Bruce in an alley. What happens next? Starts a new chain of events, starts a new string, starts something different. So that's the multiverse. Now, Doomsday Clock presents something entirely different. And that's what I want to talk about. What is it? Why is it? Why should we care about it? So in order to talk about this, the first thing we have to do is say, hey, mild spoiler warning. This is a pretty, uh, I would say, I would say minor, but I mean, it could be major depending on just how philosophical minded you are and how much you care about the kind of, uh, you know, uh, multiverse dynamics of the story. We're not going to talk too much about it. I'm not going to try, I'm going to try my best not to spoil anything too badly, but for any of you that are like almost done with Doomsday Clock or like so excited about reading it and this would just absolutely ruin it for you, maybe go read it first and then listen to this. But I'm going to talk about what Dr. Manhattan discovers in this story. So like I said, a pretty major overarching plot of part two is what happens with the multiverse. So Dr. Manhattan understands that there are multiple universes. He, like I said, has the ability to see across time. He is this weird omnipotent figure who is not bound by time in any natural sense. And so Dr. Manhattan has always been able to see the beginning to the end. He's always been able to move freely throughout time until through a series of events, the DC characters and the Watchmen characters end up getting merged. Once that happens, Dr. Manhattan reaches the end. Whatever that means, whatever this ominous end is, Dr. Manhattan, who's always, understand, always been able to see all things across all time, suddenly isn't able to see past a certain point. What happens right before that? Well, we already know that, don't we? He meets the Boy Scout. We have this ultimate moment where these two godlike characters of Superman and Dr. Manhattan are about to meet. And then as soon as they meet, for some reason, something happens and Dr. Manhattan, boom, the story ends. He can't go any further. What? Why? So Dr. Manhattan's journey throughout part two is trying to figure out why he cannot see past a certain point. Why is it that there's a break in the story? Why is it that once he meets Superman, something changes? Does Dr. Manhattan die? Does Superman die? Does the world end? Does he lose his powers? What is it that happens? And Dr. Manhattan is so bothered by this that he ends up delving back into his history of, of entering into this DC universe. And he meets this incredible character, uh, Carver Coleman, who's really interesting in his story and kind of uh, is a symbolic allegory of the whole story we're reading by the end. Uh, but there's these weird moments, these weird conflicts that Dr. Manhattan keeps trying to understand what is going on with this particular universe. Dr. Manhattan understands the multiverse theory, but for some reason on the canon universe, on our universe, on the new 52 universe, on whatever it is, wherever we exist as we're reading it, our third party protagonist, our third party, uh, you know, POV, whatever you want to call it, where we're existing for some reason, Dr. Manhattan sees something different. It's not a multiverse. Exactly. It's something more. What is it exactly? This is where we get into spoiler territory. So again, if you need to click away, I understand. But all of a sudden, Dr. Manhattan discovers that this universe isn't a multiverse. It's what he calls a metaverse. A metaverse. So what is that? What are we talking about now? For some reason, 
whether it be the determination or the uh, unpredictability of the superheroes, of Superman in particular, whatever it is, for some reason, this universe is not one bound to a timeline. Now, whereas everything up until this point, we've talked about how there's these string theories of different categories going off in one direction or the other, but ultimately, let's say that you decide, you know, one day you have an apple in front of you and you decide to eat the apple or not eat the apple. And depending on which one you do, that starts two new chain of events. It's not that. Dr. Manhattan discovers instead that it's almost as if the timeline seems to merge and become one, but it's no longer a straight line. Instead, the line stops and the line stops because the line can evolve. The line that is the universe stops. Why? Not because it ends, but because it can change. Okay. The first time I read that, the first time I thought about that, the first time I understood exactly what he was saying here, my mind exploded because this is such a good argument for why we do what we do, for why we are trying to do this thing. There are some some flavors of Christianity. There are some uh, branches of Christianity that will tell us that everything is already set in stone and that we already have the path and that we already know and that everything is already laid out for us. And that, my friends, is not what I understand. That's not how I read my scripture. That's not how I understand my relationship with God. That's not how I get what we're doing. But still, some days, more than others, it can feel like what we're doing is unnecessary, is not going anywhere. It's confusing. It's like, well, what's the point of anything if all of this is just going to the same place? I get it. I understand that. It's easy to have that temptation and to go to that place. But here, this comic book, I think, is making an excellent argument for why do we do good? Why do we strive to grow. Any of these characters within this comic book could just feel like everything is inevitable. No matter what they do, it always goes down the same path. And if it, if it goes down that path, if they do something, it's only because they were predetermined to do it and it had to go somewhere. Dr. Manhattan goes through these uh, ups and downs as, as a character where he goes into this bout of depression because he thinks of things like that. No matter what he does, the timeline remains. If he tries to adjust things, things won't adjust. They won't change. Or if they do change a little bit, they end up just coming back to the same inevitable conclusion. But Superman, the icon of good, the icon of the superhero, the icon of us, for some reason, Superman messes everything up. It's no longer a multiverse. It's no longer predetermined. He breaks the chain of predetermination, of predestination, of a set stone, and instead presents the opportunity of a metaverse that is changing and evolving. Superman has the ability to grow. The metaverse no longer is labeled as a stagnant, stoic 
force that is unchanging and ever going forward. And instead, thanks to the powers of determination, hello, Undertale, thanks to the powers of our humanity and of our boldness and of our ability to choose the good, because of that, things can change. Things can get better. Folks, if you're familiar at all with scripture, that, my friends, is the gospel. That is Jesus. That is the literal Christ figure. We already know that Superman is a Christ allegory. We already get it. We know it. We've heard the story before. But this is such a good instance of it. This is such a good example of understanding what Christ did. Before, whenever we were living these lives as sinners, when we were living these lives as confused people, whenever we were going down this same path and we kept messing up again and again and again and again and again, yeah, we were going down the same path. We were doing the same old thing. But then, boom, Jesus, Superman figure, Christ figure, this character comes and changes everything. Before, we were on this multiverse where maybe we made different decisions. Maybe some of us got on the right path. Some of us didn't. We all wound up being in this strange place. Christ came and said, no, I bring a new path. I change things. I set things up for good. I'm evolving the story. I'm presenting a new way. I'm giving the opportunity for change. And so why do we do good? Why do we, why do we, why do we do our best to emulate a Christ-like life? The same reason that any of us that read this comic book think of ourselves as being just like Superman. Wouldn't you make the same call Superman makes? Wouldn't you try to save the day? Wouldn't you do all that you could? Of course you would. Because Superman is the instance of change. Superman is proof that there's a way forward. Superman is the example that there's something more. Superman is the example that Dr. Manhattan is wrong. That Dr. Manhattan's being convinced that nothing matters is wrong. In fact, everything matters because we don't live in a multiverse. We live in a metaverse. We live in a time where things are always changing, are always evolving. Where the end is not set in stone. And rather, we have an incredible undertaking started with Jesus. Whoa. I mean, that's crazy, folks. That's absolutely crazy. The fact that a comic book was able to set it up just like this and do something just like that, that is wild. I don't know if Jeff Johns meant to do that, but you can't avoid it. You can't possibly steer clear. It's a perfect example because it's a perfect example. It's change because it's change. It's a great inspiration. Alan Moore presents this cynical argument that's meant to inspire, I believe. He may disagree. That's fine. That's meant to inspire us to be better than the heroes. Reminding us that we are good not because of our powers, but that evil exists in power too. Jeff Johns takes that idea, expands upon it, but also flips it on its head and says that goodness is the force of change. Goodness is what presents something into the world. 
Alan Moore presents us with this character in Dr. Manhattan who goes into this bout of depression because nothing can change, because nothing matters. Jeff Johns introduces us to this Superman character that says, no, everything matters because things can change. So as we think and as we work through this whole idea of doomsday, right? I mean, that's a dark idea, doomsday. And these characters go through some dark times. Don't get me wrong. If you read through this, you're not going to be inspired on every page. But by the end of it all, by the end of this story, regardless of how things go, if everyone's gone, if all the heroes were killed, just purely understanding this idea that we don't exist on a stagnant, stoic timeline, but rather that we are the forces of change. That's worth it. If I couldn't convince you by anything else to read this comic book series, I hope that does it. Because reading it with that light, reading it with that realm of understanding, I hope will inspire you to be the change, to be something more, to be something greater. I hope you can. I hope we all can. And I hope you know that that's what we're trying to do here. The reason we're here on Checkpoint Church, the reason we're doing these things is because, yes, we want to do good. Yes, we want to make sure we're doing no harm. But we're also wanting to strive to grow, strive to change, strive to push this world forward in a good way. How are we doing that? Are we doing that? These are questions that even comic books, things that maybe we've put out of our minds or things that we just assume are just really fun to look at and read. No, 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 no. They inspire. They teach us. Are we letting ourselves be taught? Folks, I hope (laughs) that I've done my due diligence in this echo, echo, chamber, chamber, chamber to convince you that you need to be watching, reading, and playing these three things, especially reading with parental guidance, that Doomsday Clock series, because it is so good, and especially watching this Sunday with us, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're going to be doing a Netflix party again. Please be sure to join us for that. So for next week, what were my recommendations from this past Saturday, the 22nd? I'll tell you, these were my three recommendations. Two of them are going to come with parental guidance this time. Uh, First off, what should you be watching? I think you should watch the anime Puella Magi Madica Magica. That's a mouthful, right? Uh, But we just call it Madica. And uh, it's an interesting series. Uh, I will I will tell you that. Uh, what is it exactly? We'll talk more about that next week. But if you're into anime, if you're into Sailor Moon, and if you're ready for a dark take on Sailor Moon, uh, you know, get on in there. <laughs> it's, it's a lot to chew and it looks really adorable. But I assure you, I did not put that parental guidance there on accident, okay? I promise you, you need parental guidance to watch this adorable, bubbly anime about magical girls. Please know that it's for adults (laughs) or at least for big kids. If you know what I'm saying, uh, be prepared for dark themes, uh, and real death. Uh, that's, that's all I'll say about that one because I want you to watch it uh, and talk about it next week. Uh, what should you be reading? A man called Uva. Uh, this is actually not really nerdy necessarily, but they don't all have to be. 
Um, but I would recommend that you read this just cause it's a really sweet book. Uh, and it's a really good story. And I will say, uh, the audiobook is, uh, fantastic. So I'd recommend that from 2012. We got, we got a couple of oldies in this recommendation list. What should you be playing? Uh, parental guidance. Once again, for this one, I would recommend that you play life is strange from 2015. If you've played it before, let us know. Uh, if you end up playing it or playing through the first episode, it's pretty short. Each episode's about two to four hours. Um, so that's, that's manageable. Uh, I hope that you'll play it and let us know what you think. That's a story. Uh, in which you play as Max Caulfield, who moves to a new town and discovers some pretty interesting things going on. Uh, And it's a mystery of sorts uh, that I hope you will consider diving into. If not, uh, just know this will probably end up being something that we play on Wednesday nights as a part of our Checkpoint Church. So you don't have to play it. We'll eventually play it. But I hope that if you've played it before, you'll weigh in uh, or let us know a little bit more about it and about your thoughts about it. So again, if you have any thoughts about this week, be sure to let me know about these three series by this upcoming Sunday, August the 30th. Let me know your thoughts about the past weeks. If you want to be on a flashback or a rewind time, uh, and whatever might work best for you, I would just recommend that you leave your voice messages on our anchor.fm page or send me an audio link to our Facebook page and messenger. Uh, and I'll be sure that that gets in there at some point and that we hear your opinion on these things, bad, good, or ugly. We just want to know exactly what you're thinking and what you're feeling. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Babble On. I thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, I would encourage you to go and find us on any of our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or go follow us on Twitch where we're playing every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, playing some games together, talking together, hanging out, just being there uh, and being a part of something together. Uh, Other than that, I think that's pretty much it for this week, folks. So as usual, I want to remind you as we wrap up that God loves you. I love you and that you matter. Be boldly blessed. Be boldly blessed, friends, until we join together again next week. I'll see you next time. Babylon is a podcast from Checkpoint Church, the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. Be sure to check us out on Facebook at Checkpoint Church NC, on Twitter at Checkpoint Nerd, and on Instagram at Checkpoint Church. We're also on Twitch on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. We hope to see you there.